Hello, and welcome to Get Me Another, a podcast where we explore those movies that followed in the wake of blockbuster hits and attempted to replicate their success. My name is Chris Iannacone, and with me as always is my co-host, Rob Lamorgis. Hello, everybody. Also with us today is a very special guest, Ryan from the New World Pictures podcast. Ryan, thanks for joining us here on Get Me Another. Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I love your podcast, and I was thrilled to be asked to be a part of this. So thank you very much. Oh, you're very well. In fact, it's it's this is the first time we've had a guest on the show, and we are pretty damn excited. I was wondering. Yes, that you are our first guest. You're our first. I am. That's even more. What an honor for me. What an honor. Thank you so much. That is awesome. We are just big fans of the New World Pictures podcast and, and frankly, you. of New World Pictures in general. Oh, yes. Yes, as we are. Yeah. For anyone out there who might not be familiar with their show, would you would you like to just tell whoever is out there, um, you know, what what is the what what is New World Pictures podcast about? Well, what we're doing is we are on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> it started out as like a, as a concept, and now uh, as we're three years into it, I'm like, this is a journey because this is going to take time. But we are basically going to watch every single movie made by New World Pictures, which is the production company and distribution company created by Roger Corman in 1970. It ran through into the 90s, though in the 90s they were essentially doing TV uh, strictly, um, doing TV movies and TV shows. Um, so we are going to watch everything that they have released, talk about it. And we also uh, have started to interview some of the people behind the scenes that have made these movies and were in these movies or edited these movies or wrote these movies. So it's sort of a, a long journey of just this entire production company you know, us watching. Your them. interviews are terrific. <laughs> like you, you have done some oh, great, great interviews. Uh, I also love that you do the nearly new world pictures. Like those are also oh, it's just yeah. fantastic. Like, oh yeah, this could have been a new world. Um, yeah, I, like we, my wife and I just recently listened to um, your girls just want to have fun episode because yeah. that is one of my wife's favorite movies from when she was a kid. And like we thought you just you did a fantastic job with. I we're still Thank laughing at. You females just like to have a good time like that that line <laughs> yeah. alone and i need hysterical. to get my wife to listen to it because girls just want to have fun is also one of her favorites oh and, yeah um my our apartment building backs up uh marshall high school is right behind our apartment oh building. wow okay so oh. we are here at i believe the exterior for girls just want to have right fun, sure uh, amongst many others so there's yeah. nothing like shooting la for chicago Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right, and it so looks it. It really does. Have because I was laughing a lot because uh, I had you know that's where Erica, my my co-host and my wife, that's where we met in Chicago. So looking at all around the environment, I'm like, what is this even trying to be in Chicago? I can't even imagine what they were even attempting to make it look like. But back to the song, the thing that always cracked me up about that song is that they rewrote it and they not only said girls want to have fun, but they also included boys. And that's what's so important and is that boys. everyone, girls and boys, thankfully, yeah, they changed everyone, the song's you know, meaning to be yeah. so inclusive of boys. <laughs> finally, finally, boys were included in that song. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> we have permission to have fun. Finally. Yes. At long last. Finally. men have yes. been so oppressed. We have not been allowed to yeah, have fun. over the and course finally, of human history. Right. That song was no. not about uh, the way men treat women. It's just about everyone having a good time. So I'm glad that they cut to the chase and said, what is this really about? Let's, re let's refigure this for the movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, because it and because it coming, you know, because it was a a song that had been gone so long out of the public consciousness from its, you know, its introduction in 1984 to the movie coming out in 1985. It was like, oh yeah, we really need to to reintroduce this. It's a uh, in yeah. Yeah. And in one of our interviews, I think we found out that the, the reason that uh, Cindy Lauper didn't want to use her, they wouldn't allow her to use her song is because she had just seen Chud. And that was a New World Pictures movie. And she was like, I don't like Chud, so you can't use my song, <laughs> even though you're making. That's you're, amazing. Incredible. Inc- incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> It all comes back to Chud. It all uh, it all comes back to Chud. Maybe if it had been Chud 2, she would have said yes. But She would have been like, I'm into Bud the Chud. Yeah, I'm uh, Bud the Chud would have sold. I, I think Cindy Lauper would have appreciated Bud the Chud. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, absolutely. And a, a great song, a great theme song. <laughs> How can you not love Bud yeah. the Chud? Uh, and you just also finished up Corntober, which is amazing. Like uh, the, the, the Children of the Corn. I, I love your episode on The Vineyard, which is an amazing. Thank you. Uh, Thank lesser you. known movie. And you guys, you guys are doing just such, such great work. And it's one of my favorite plot because this, those films are so interesting. Like that's the yeah. thing is that, yeah. you know, like it, even when they're not the best films, they're always interesting. Yeah. They, there's some movies that, you know, c- certainly if you live through the VHS era and you know of like, other companies like Canon and some that, that Canon has their kinds of films that you're like, that's so Canon. And, but new world pictures have some movies yeah. that you're just like, no one would have put, no one would have touched the, a movie like this, but new world pictures <laughs> while they made a lot of exploitative and rip off movies. There's just certain movies that you're like, yeah, no one, no one was putting this out, but new world pictures. So yeah. Uh, like the vineyard. You like know? the vineyard. Oh my God. It's amazing. Uh, today is the sixth episode in our Get Me Another Halloween series. And our first movie this week is 1981's Hell Knight. Welcome to Garth Manor. In order to be a member of Alpha Sigma Rho, one has to do what? To stay in Garth Manor one night. And why is this night so special? Because 12 years ago, Raymond Garth murdered his family here and then committed suicide. And when the police arrived, they discovered a note written by Raymond Garth describing the entire gruesome act. But strangely, they only discovered three dead bodies. Andrew is still believed by some to be living somewhere within this house. Quaaludes and Jack Daniels. Oh my gosh. This is one radical chick. <laughs> All right. Now the fun begins. <laughs> hey! Robin Hood to the rescue! was written by randy feldman who also wrote i have to say tango and cash yeah amazing 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I mean, he's already got a classic in his in his uh, filmography and directed by Tom DeSimone, who, I mean, has an amazing career. I mean, Chatterbox, Concrete Jungle, Reform School Girls, and New World's Angel 3, the final chapter, although he didn't do Angels 1 and 2. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, incredible, incredible creative team. And Reform School Girls is also a New World film as well. So like he, he had. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So he got the, after doing Reform School Girls, he got a two, two film deal with New World. And part of that deal was that he had to direct or had to direct Angel 3. So that was part of his deal. Well, they, they, yeah, cause they, he didn't do the first two. So they brought nope. him in as the closer for, for the angel trilogy. <laughs> That's right. I got to get the, uh, the, the vinegar syndrome discs for the angel trilogy at some point. Yes. That, yeah. that might be the next time there's a vinegar syndrome sale. That might be my, uh, that might be my next thing. I, I would recommend it. I also want a time machine so that I can eat at the, at the restaurant at the bottom of the Roosevelt from back then. It looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh hell Knight was also it, it was interestingly it was produced by erwin yoblins who per- produced the film that kicked off our series halloween like halloween hell Knight was released by yoblins company compass international pictures and in fact it was the last film released by compass international despite the fact that there's a card at the end of the movie reading compass international pictures on course for the 80s and beyond <laughs> they didn't quite make it no this was it um (laughs) it was also produced by chuck russell who would later direct nightmare on elm street 3 dream warriors Mm -hmm. one of the best nightmare on elm street movies maybe the best um according to some but certainly one of the great horror sequels and it stars linda blair who starred in one of the greatest horror movies of all time the Exorcist and Exorcist 2 The Heretic, which is also a movie. That was in the Exorcist series, yeah. Yeah, it was a sequel to the first one. <laughs> um, the other star was Peter Barton, who the whole time I was watching the movie, I thought was the guy from The Prowler, which we we did, uh, la- oh, we talked about last week. Sure. And it wasn't till the end credits that I realized it wasn't the guy from The Prowler, it was mm. the, the guy from The Powers of Matthew Starr. Oh, which most people will not remember was a, a television show in the early eighties sure. uh, with, with, with Peter Barton and Louis Gossett Jr. It was a superhero show in the early eighties. Uh, and uh, I actually remember it because I don't remember a single teacher's name I had before high school, but I remember the powers of Matthew Starr. <laughs> you remember the important stuff, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not my choice. It's just the, you know, these are the things that uh... it's also got Vincent Van Patten. And I mean, Van Patten, Van Patten. Hell Knight revolves around four new pledges into the Alpha Sigma Rho fraternity, who are part of initiation on Hell Knight, and are required to spend a night in Garth Manor, which the fraternity, for mysterious reasons, somehow has access to. I don't know yeah. why. It's never explained in the movie how they have actually, like, they don't break in. They have the keys. Mm-hmm. Why they? I have no idea why they have this. They have access to this thing. It's, and it's, apparently, not to spoil anything that's about to happen, but also apparently they are saying you have to spend the night. But also, we're going to go home. Yeah. Well, and of course, they don't actually go home. They're there to. So once they get back to the parking lot, the party is gone. <laughs> Everyone has left. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll check back in the morning. Um, where you guys just go in that castle. We'll we'll see you later. We're gonna get a good night's rest. 
Well, there's a couple. First of all, we should give our requisite spoiler warning that I always forget to give until the last oh, minute. Sure, but sure. We, it's tough to talk about these movies without talking about spoilers. Sure. So we're we're gonna we're, we're just understand that that is the world that we are uh, we're living in. Um, the story behind Garth Manor is that 12 years earlier, the owner of the mansion, Raymond Garth, killed himself and apparently all of his family after his children were born with birth defects, which is not. That is problematic to say the least. Mm-hmm. But what's weird is, as you say, they lock them in and then go. Now, some of the frat brothers come back because they're going to play like, you know, you know, pranks on them or whatnot. But it's like, is it like a, just a big game of like, you know, seven minutes in the closet or something like that? <laughs> yeah, it's it seems then the guy that comes back is it's so important to him. Like this is like the, the night of his life yeah. that he locks these people up and so oh, he's yeah. clearly no. real Peter. into this but clearly also the only one who's real into it he just happens to have a good buddy who will follow him in this endeavor but he's the only yeah. one that's super into this thing i don't know how he's gotten everyone to agree to it <laughs> everyone else seems to be like this is your thing you lead it we're heading home after this so <laughs> good luck well my first big question about this fraternity is how this dork peter became the president of the fraternity Because he's Mm. got no, like, there's nothing about him that is in any way, like, interesting or compelling. He's not cool. He's not like Hart Bachner from Terror Train, where it's like, oh, this guy's a jerk, but I understand why, you know, he's the president of the frat. It's just like this guy, he's dressed like Mork from Ork. Um, You know, he's not charismatic at all. I mean, I guess he's not criminal like the guys from Final Exam, but, you know, Mm. he's... Um, you know, he's just kind of a dork. Peter, though, is an engineering whiz and a technical marvel. He rigs up in the house, um, almost oh, yeah. like a haunted mansion-esque ghost projection. They've got bodies going. He's rigged the whole house up with speakers. I mean, this is a go-getter. He gets stuff done. Uh, and mm-hmm. let's let's not forget, being the president of the fraternity, it's a lot of work. No one wants to do it. But Peter, he's a busy beaver. He's going to get everything ready for you. <laughs> well, let, let's jump ahead to holograms. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because there is a scene at one point where Linda Blair is in one of the rooms in the house by herself. We'll, we'll come back and tell you about the characters. But Linda Blair is in a room by herself and she sees a hologram of a ghost. Mm-hmm. which I swear to God is straight out of the haunted mansion at Disneyland. <laughs> um you know, it is, it is this, this, these frat boys are like Walt Disney Imagineers in terms of their engineering acumen. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they really have a talent. They, you know, if they can survive the night, they really have a future. And I just assumed he became president because I just assumed he was rich. You know, I, you know, well, like, I guess that is, I mean, and we know that Peter is rich. Yeah. Um, yeah. His character is rich. And then, you know, uh, Linda Blair's character is poor. Because mm-hmm. she's a mechanic. She learned to be a mechanic. And that's, you know, there's your your commentary on... Uh, the class system. The wealth divide in America in 1981. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, the four kids that have to spend the night in the mansion, there's two boys, Jeff and Seth, and two girls, Marty and Denise. And uh, first of all, I'm guessing it's kind of a joint fraternity sorority initiation. They pair off pretty quickly into Jeff and Marty, who are the more subdued couple, and mm-hmm. Seth and Denise, who are DTF. Mm-hmm. As the kids say today. I mean, Vince Van Patten, he was hot as they can be back then. So, you know, like, I don't know if this was like, was this pre his tennis career or during? I can't, I don't even, it might be during. Um, 
uh, he'd already done rock and roll high school for new world pictures but i think then right. he had he was now into doing tennis at this point because he's like ripped in this movie too he really yeah no he absolutely is uh, and he's kind of like this proto Spicoli character. Like he's, this was still a year before, you know, Fast Times, but he ha- kind of has that that same vibe. He's a surfer, uh, and Denise. Well, Denise brings Quaaludes and Jack Daniels mm-hmm. by her own by her own admission. So I mean that you know right there. I, honestly, you shouldn't mix those two kids. Yeah, if you're gonna take the Quaalude, you really want an upper to go with it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I love that she keeps calling him Wes. Yeah. Like she can't get his name. And I think it's hysterical. Like, honestly, um, Marty and Jeff are the less horny couple. Marty and Jeff, on the other hand, they they're content to talk about like, you know, differences in in terms of class differences. She's rich. She's poor. He's rich. He's got a trust fund. Uh, but the biggest question of all is, what is Linda Blair wearing in this movie? Yeah. I mean, because my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, when she gets scared, you know, like uh, things, ha- you know, you 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 get to see things. Well, yeah, you know, uh, but but it's it's like the I'm I'm trying to look at it from the point of view of putting together a costume. Like I know Hell Knight is a costume party, but I can't figure yeah. out what she's supposed to be. Right. I don't. It's it's something Victorian, but I don't know. Like you know. Well, yeah, it's like Mrs. Claus crossed with a Victorian prostitute. Right. Right. And he's wearing something also from that era? Like, I don't know what either of them are trying to dress as. Like, Van Patten's dressed as a, as a, like an arch, he's like a Robin Hood guy. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's, that, that's fairly clear. Yeah. No, he's, he's just got a, he's got a puffy shirt is really what it is. Yeah, it's like they were like going, I literally saw her and thought, is this like a Ren Faire thing? Like, you know, at first, uh, because it looks like they're just doing like a Ren Faire kind of costume. Apparently, the back behind the scenes story is that they just got the costume party. The costume department just set them up with these different things, and they said that looks fine as long as they look like separate. But I don't know if they actually picked something specific for her. Like she's dressing as something. It's it's definitely the two of her and Peter are dressed as an idea of an era, not actual specific characters. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I enjoyed this movie. I think this is a very entertaining oh, movie, it's a blast. For, you know, in, in, in sort of the slasher. Yeah. It's a whole lot of fun. Um, totally. So the, what happens is fairly quickly, we find that, you know, there's somebody out there, um, you know, that's bumping people off and he starts with the, the guys from the fraternity who've come back for their holograms and, um, you know, elaborate, you know, elaborate pranks that they plan to play so they start kind of on the outside of the house the there's a while where the 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 kids inside don't realize they're in any danger yeah they actually uh for because it's been set up that you have the uh the pranks going on they very much actually think that they are not in danger and this whole setup i love because it does kind of get into the uh william castle version of a 1980s slasher where you have to stay overnight in the old mansion um, and while you have people getting picked off one by one, it's very much feels kind of of an older era. You're like you're smashing the two eras together uh, in a way that I like. I, I just think it's fun as hell. Yeah, no, House on Haunted Hill meets meets Halloween kind of thing. Yeah, um, I also I was thinking that like there's a scene where Denise like hears this knocking sound and she goes to investigate it, and I kept thinking of like the early 20th century 
sort of chiller movies like The Cat and the Canary and The Old Dark House, where they were they were scary but played with a, a laugh. And now this doesn't play it with a laugh, but there's a light touch to some of those scenes, you know, before there isn't. Um, and that's the thing about the movie is there's a light touch until there's not. Yeah, I mean, it, th- what I think this movie really like succeeds with too is like not only do you actually get some character development that I think a lot of people will look at a slasher and go, we don't care about any of these people. You actually, by pairing them off, you get to actually get to know them a little bit and get to like hear some of their stories, yeah. which you can get into or not get into. But I think that's still kind of rare for a slasher to be able to spend a little bit of time with the characters. Um, and also really succeeds with the amazing interiors that they got. Only one of which is a set. Most of oh, it yeah. is like the interior of the house is a different than the house than you see from the outside. But like really excellent interiors and the production design that they did on those rooms is just, you know, the way they redressed an actual house that people lived in for the interiors of that of that castle and actually made them look like they were a castle with candles and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, I think the, the exterior was in like Redlands. Yes, right. And the interior was like a house. I I don't know Altadena. I don't I don't remember I where exactly it was Pasadena. Maybe it might be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. So it's and so like that. It when you have those kinds of th- and those are also things like you know bringing that up seems like oh sure people are making a movie Ryan what's the big deal but no, but in like a lot of slasher movies they don't have those kinds of things these are not uh, things that we're always attending no. to we're not attending to production design all that much we're not worried about those kinds of things but this movie like nails those things and so it gives you this feeling of like yeah. oh we're in good hands this is not something where people are throwing this together over a night you know like this is a real movie and what you'd mentioned about the characters and getting to know them, there's, um, especially early on, there is a little bit of looseness um, so that you are hanging out with the kids. And even down to, um, you know, as you often do with these types of movies from this era where you have the inciting incident from years and years ago. Hmm. But one of the big differences here is that you don't see it, but you have the characters in the present day telling the story and reacting to the story. And so it's it's great in that it does get to do a little double duty where instead of flashing mm. back with characters that we're not going to see, we are actually introducing our characters who we're going to care about and we're having them in relation to this story and learning about them in all of their different reactions to it, whether they think it's BS mm-hmm. or whether they're getting scared and and even uh, what Peter telling the story. You're like, oh, I know, I know this guy now too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's interesting they don't start with a flashback. It, yes, it feels like that would be something that, like, if you were to make this movie today, that it would absolutely be that. And I would say sometimes when you watch movies from the 80s where they don't bother to flashback, you're always like, this is a visual medium, why don't you? But I think it actually works very much in this case because it is then repeated, because they hear the story and then they are able to, like, deal with it and question it. And is that real? Do you think this is bullshit or not? So I, I, that's, I think it, I think it actually really works. And I'm kind of glad that we don't have a picture or we don't get to see like the young deformed children that, you know what I mean? I'm glad we also, number one, I'm glad we don't get to see that scene. That's horrible. <laughs> I don't yeah, no, that's it's better. Just leave that in our heads. I don't really need to see all that, but, um, but yeah, like then you also don't see the guy at the end, the when the killer presents itself, you had no idea what it was going to look like. Yeah. And, and, and it reminds me too of, of, you know, this is, 
This is one of the movies, I think, so far in our series where it's kind of straddling the line between the Halloween influence and the Friday the 13th influence. Uh, mm-hmm. And in particular, with, with the, the, the sense of lore, there's a sense that like this is this is a even though the incident only happened 12 years earlier, which doesn't seem like that much time in my, the way my mind perceives time these days. But like, it, you know, it's like, oh, this is already the, the tale that's been told. And how many times has Peter told the story and how has it changed and what is true and what is not? And it makes me think of the campfire scene at the beginning of Friday the 13th, part two, where they mm-hmm. lay out, uh, you know, the whole Jason thing. Um and and we're starting to see, you know, sort of that influence of Friday the 13th is having on some of these movies. It's going to continue in our next movie today, I think, as well. Yeah, I think you can even hear it down to the scores. The score, the score itself goes, seems to vacillate between I'm making a Halloween type, you know, score at a moment. And then there's times where it's like, no, this is a little more Manfredini on this on this cue. <laughs> so it's like it seems to go almost in between. I was kind of like, oh, it's kind of Halloween music. Oh, no, no, that's Friday the 13th kind of music. So it seems like that those were definite influences on this film for sure. We do have some time, you know, with with the characters, especially with with uh, Marty and Jeff. And um, <laughs> what what makes me laugh is that they even thought Oh, we're gonna go to sleep tonight. Like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we get a good night's sleep so we're fresh for tomorrow. Like this sort of thing. Forget it. You're not sleeping now. You decide to you know uh, you know have some intimate relations. Well, sure, but if not, don't think that like oh this is gonna get a great night's sleep. Like oh I'm gonna leave this this place you know uh, five stars on Airbnb. I've never been to an Airbnb, <laughs> so I don't know how they rate things. But like you know it's it's. You know, just accept that this is going to be a shit night's sleep. You know, you're not getting a good one. You'll make up for it later. But they're like all tucked in and getting ready. And clearly he wants to kind of, clearly, you know, he he wants to to do so. But she's, Linda Blair is having none of it, um, you know. And, uh, well, the story they, 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 they story they tell, the story they tell everybody about what this house was and what could possibly be there. I'm sure they're trying to do that and then scare them throughout the night. But also, these rooms are still furnished. Who owns this home? I don't know about you guys, but even if, I mean, if I'm an Airbnb, it's different. But if I'm in some stranger's home who I've broken into, I'm not going to sleep. Like, how dusty are these beds? How gross are they? Like, I don't feel comfortable. I don't right. feel comfortable to sleep in here. No way. No, these are these are legitimate. These are absolutely legitimate hygienic questions about this property, which we still don't know how the fraternity has the keys to. Like, if they just broke in, I mean, that's one thing. But like, they they clearly have access to it. You don't get the impression that this is the first year that they've done this. No, like, no, they've had other. No, well, they're like, oh, the pledges come in and stay, and that's what we do. But they've never run across a, you know, a, a deranged killer before. Uh, you know, it's this, you know, they weren't expecting that. But like, what what was different this time? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah they, they've done this before and everybody was fine. How this is apparently, this apparently has gone well. They're inventing the scares by trying to make this the haunted mansion effect. And they're not anticipating that anything is yeah. truly going to happen. So apparently they've done this for a couple of years at least, and it's all gone fine. At least because they have members to their fraternity. Yes. I'm pretty sure the college changed their schedule that year. So Hell Night <laughs> usually fell on Andrew's uh fishing trip, but this year it right. was different. Yeah. 
Uh, once Jeff goes outside and finds Peter's body with a scythe through it, you know, that's we reach the moment where they realize that they're in danger. And, and, and it's around this time that Seth returns to bed and finds Denise missing. And one of the other sorority sisters who was with Peter, you know, trying to play, you know, finds the head in the bed, uh, which is, it's a fantastic moment. There's, you know, we've, we've noted the amount of decapitations these films have. This, this Hell Knight continues that tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, from that point, then it's like, oh, well, we're in danger. And that changes the tone of everything, you know, from there on. Well, Seth... <laughs> This is what I Seth tries to get out. He's like, oh, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go over the fence, which is topped with spikes. And I got to be honest, I was shocked he made it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, he's going to die. That's going to. Or I thought, oh, he's going to get over. And then as soon as he's over, he's going to take a machete to the neck. But he makes it. And he has his whole, all his little journey, which is fascinating. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I love it because, again, you have so many of these movies go over backwards as to why you can't call for help or go for help. And this is much like in Halloween when Laurie's knocking on the door and the lights just go out uh, at the end. Yeah. This is a movie where the kid does the right thing. He goes to get help and it doesn't matter. And I, I, I that always tickles me with these things. Yeah. The cops are about as useful as you expect them to be. <laughs> It tickled me that he got into the police station and was able to escape to a room to take a shotgun and out of the police station with relative ease. Like, I I understand that police stations Amazing. are largely understaffed. I mean, you know, you can never, you know, it's a big city. You can only, you know, there's, you only have so many police. But, like, my lord, they really, who's minding the store over at the police station? It's real easy to get in and out with guns. That's that's wild. I mean, I loved yeah, it. I, I loved mean, it. Don't get I me mean, wrong, but it's, uh, it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's yeah. uh, it's completely unbelievable. Like it's less <laughs> believable than the Disneyland hologram that they rig up. But like, I'm just like, oh, he's gonna get away with it. I'm like, it's <laughs> also a great a great payoff on the on the poster, which is like so iconic to me, like the Hell Knight poster. Oh yeah, with the, uh, the you know with Linda Blair hanging on the spikes. It's it's that is the image when you think of Hell Knight, and so I love that they actually pay off in that Absolutely. twice. So it's awesome because you know you can there's yeah we have another movie uh, that we're going to discuss where they have a poster that they don't pay off on, and I'm glad they don't because it's super boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I will say that they do they do a really interesting thing with um cuz Denise is still missing in the house. So it gives uh it gives Jeff and Marty an actual good reason to go back in the house and like why would you go back in? Well, we there's someone of our one of our people is still in there and we have to try and find them. Mm-hmm. Of course, once they get in there, they don't look at all. They just hole up <laughs> in a room. So it's it's not they're not their search is not really well carried out, but at least no. the you know the impetus is there to let's go find her, um, you know. But instead they hole up in a room and they barely look for her. Um, but then there's a brilliant moment, and I I mean I this was one of those moments I was just like my jaw just dropped. They're holed up in a room, they've barricaded the door, and the carpet just starts and i gotta say the filmmakers played it so beautifully Mm -hmm. because there's like a pan over and then it kind of stomps on them but it doesn't leave like it leaves extra room but it's done in an organic way where it doesn't feel like it's leaving extra room for something to show up 
And then they hold the music cue for a few minutes, like until the carpet is really hot. And it's like, oh my God. Like that was absolutely like my favorite moment in this movie. It was incredible. Yeah. It also, it, I also didn't realize for a little bit that it was the carpet. So you're like, what, what is that? Is he is a curtain? What's going on? And then you're like, oh, it's the, oh my God, it's the rug. You know, it's like, it's really well played. And not only that, but once he gets knocked down and the carpet's on top of him, and then they reveal that he's gone underneath, he has a secret passageway underneath it and he's escaped back into it. I thought that was just genius. I love that. Oh, it's terrific. It's really, and then the whole sequence when they're they're going through the the tunnels that are being so the the, right, the right. apparently one of the the children of this of this crazed guy did in fact survive and has been living underneath the house for these twelve years. Now again, why he's never encountered the other kids on other Hell Nights is still unexplained. That annual fishing trip, you know, it's important. It's important for him to take a break yeah. from living underneath that 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 house. <laughs> in the subterranean uh, basement that is his home. <laughs> and he needs to just take a break and just spend a little bit of his time, you know, and they just mistimed it. Uh, you know, Rob, I think nailed it. They just mistimed yeah. it. You, you it, can't, you got to keep yeah. it consistent. You got to keep your hell nights consistent. You can't say, let's do it on a different night this year. Yeah. You, know, you got to keep it consistent. It's like the landscapers outside my apartment building. It's like, no, I need you to, I don't mind you do it, but you need to have the leaf blowers at the same time every week. So it doesn't <laughs> so start I, up when I'm in the middle of hell night. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is a problem in LA, LA where everywhere is leaf blowers. Have some courtesy. Just be consistent. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm asking. It's not too much for goodness sake. That room that they're in too, that is the one big set. They had to make that set yeah. uh, in order to be able to have the, you know, being able to go in and out of the room and having the trap door and everything. So they had to create that as a set, which looks, I think, seamless. So I, I also adore. I love that. I, I, I honestly did not realize that that wasn't, you know, I mean, now that I think about it, it's like, well, yeah, practically you'd need to be able to do that. But right. like, it's so seamless. You would you would know it's the production design in this film is is fantastic uh, yeah. throughout. It's really, really good. While while all this is happening in the house, Seth is on his own journey back with the shotgun. And he, you know, <laughs> honestly, I did not think, I, first of all, I got to say, I had not seen this movie before. I'd seen our other movies before, but this okay. week I was watching Hell Knight for the first time. And I was like, there's no way he's going to make it back. Something's going to stop him. But then he he does, and he, it's, he gets back in, and then he has an encounter with the killer, and he kills the killer. And it's, it is like I'm like I don't know what is happening, <laughs> and then you have the the reveal of there's two, yeah, and it's amazing, yeah, yeah. It's it's that alone is just a brilliant moment. Yeah, because so early in the cycle of slashers, to have already like you know figured out some way around your uh, you're already you're starting to get these expectations of slashers and to already find a, a workaround around that is pretty amazing i mean going back to the carpet thing when it's the carpet and looks like it's a body underneath it and they pull it and it's not and it's gone go back to the original halloween it's like when you're looking out and seeing michael myers and loomis is looking down he's on the ground and then he looks again and he's gone that's normally how how that's as n enough of what they usually do they're not yeah. going to go anything beyond that and this one was 
a constructed whole thing of how he was going to escape that makes sense. How did he get in the room? How did he get out of the room? It's like, oh, this all has logic and <laughs> makes sense, you know? And um, yeah, so, and for them to be able to have this whole twist at the end too, was like, I, I agree. I, this is also my first time seeing Hell Knight. I had always seen that cover, always wanted to see it. And so I was like, oh, this is, yeah, I mean, I had good feelings going in with Tom DeSimone being the director and uh, Linda Blair. And I was like, wow, this is great. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Now, which one was Andrew? Do we know? Was there anything in the film? Because I missed it. No, no one's got a name tag. Like, hello, my name is Andrew. And the, Andrew and the other one of the other brothers like they don't they don't identify they don't self-identify it'd be amazing if they did and they're not yeah. credited they're like whoever like the whoever did that role it is is uncredited i mean if stunt people or, or what but there's no credit for either of the uh either of the brothers uh either of the uh the garth brothers yeah i saw the special feature on the hell knight disc because i i grabbed the disc uh, for this from the the Shout Factory Shocktober sale. And uh, I was listening just today to Tom DeSimone talking about this. And apparently one of the brothers, I think one definitely was a stuntman. And the other one may have been a stuntman. He wasn't sure. And he was the one that was, I believe, the one, the second one who is much very tall and very big. And he didn't have to do much stunt work. Yeah. Um, and I believe he passed away before the movie even came out. So he never even got to see it because he was in a car. Oh, my accident. God. Yeah. Oh. So, so that, but oh my why goodness. they're not credited, I don't know. That I, I didn't see if there was any explanation of that. But so he was even Tom DeSimone's not sure if he was a stuntman or who he was exactly, but he was this very big man that they made very ugly, and that's what he knew about him. And he said he was very easy to get along with. So, so sort of a mystery behind Hell Knight is still that. Who are these brothers? And why didn't they have name tags? I mean, you That's have that amazing. many kids. Put a name tag on. The, so exactly. Well, hello, my on. name is. Yeah, put it on a shirt. Yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic. And and you know, at the end, uh, you know, Jeff gets killed, um, and, and you know, he gets thrown out of a second. And then you have an extended chase with Marty, and she's able to get the keys off of Peter's dead body, mm-hmm. and she's able to start the the car that Seth stole because she's a mechanic. It all pays off. It all pays off, and the real, you know, the real trick of, of setup and payoff in movies is if you could set something up without it seeming like you're set something up. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a it's a sleight of hand, and they yeah. do it very well. Yeah, they they talk about it in context of that sort of uh, that sort of like you know class system thing. You're rich, I'm poor, I'm a mechanic. You're, you know, inheriting your dad's money. You know, and and yeah, that's why it, you never yeah. thought it was going to be a, a story point later. You know, um, which was really cool. Yeah, it's really it's really well done. Like it's, um, it, I gotta I gotta pick up that uh, that that Scream Factory disc the next time they have one of their uh, sales. I, I I did not have it in my in mind for this sale. Um, although Lord knows I I had plenty of stuff for later shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in any case, I, I, I like I, I highly recommend Hell Knight to anybody who hasn't seen it. It's really really good and uh, and just. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a perfect segue into our second film today, which also revolves around college hijinks gone wrong. This is 1982's The House on Sorority Row. A certain kind of girl joins Pi Theta Sorority. A girl who likes to party and likes to get close to her friends. A girl whose extracurricular activities were more daring than most. 
A girl who could turn her fantasies into reality. One more fling won't set us back any. different from other sororities. Because in this sorority, nothing is off limits, as long as it's fun for the girls. So when it came time to say goodbye, they decided to make real sure that no one would ever forget the girls in the house on Sorority Row. Written and directed by Mark Rosman, The House and Sorority Row features Catherine McNeil, Eileen Davidson, Lois Kelso Hunt, and Christopher Lawrence. It tells the story of seven sorority sisters who decide to throw a graduation party in defiance of their domineering house mother, Mrs. Slater. And they decide to play a prank on her that goes terribly, terribly terribly wrong (laughs) and sets in motion a series of events that will lead to a night of murder. Um, I'm just going to say right from the outset, this movie is bonkers. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's kind of crazy, but in a way that at first you don't realize how like graduation day, which we talked about a couple weeks ago is, is crazy from frame one, from that opening scene. It's like, you know, you're in this gonzo movie, but House and Sorority Row, it's like, well, first we open up with this, this, as often these movies do, a traumatic event from the past. It's a a woman in the midst of childbirth, and it appears her child does not survive. Uh, This opening scene was originally shot in black and white and was retinted Mm. into sort of blue-ish, mm-hmm. uh, kind of bluish thing, I guess, at the behest of the of the distributor who didn't want the audience to think the whole movie was in black and white. Uh, it, it works okay, but it's not yeah. that, like, you know, as far as, like, these opening scenes go, it's not that, like, it, you know, it's not like some of them. It's not like Prom Night or Terror Train where you have these, these things that are so clear, like, bizarre traumas. Mm-hmm. And then you shift, like, to the present day and it's the sorority house on this college campus. And the whole thing has the feel of an 80s TV movie. Like it feels like an early 80s with the music and just it's very placid and serene. And there's a lot of people walking around. Um, but then it gets nuts. Yeah, that that's the magic trick for this movie is that it starts, as you say, it starts off so unassuming. And and I and I will say for the most part throughout this movie, it's not a suspense. Oh, here comes the scare sequences. It, it really isn't playing in that realm that much at all. But what you do get is this, it's like a first date where you start off and you're talking, Oh, where are you from? Oh yeah. Oh, 
oh yeah, no, I ran track too. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're talking about, oh yeah. And then like when my family and I go out and we sacrifice the, the goat on the, uh, on the mountain every summer in uh, Okaboji, <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? As one and it's does. Just, it's treated as completely normal <laughs> and it just sucks you in and it's got Vaseline over the lens <laughs> the whole time. And you're just like, what is going on? Oh. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's some. Um, we have to talk a little bit about Mrs. Slater, who is this figure. She's the house mother, and mm-hmm. she's this deeply off-putting figure with her bird-handled cane and her far too practical shoes. Like, there's something off about her. That's she's the one who it feels like there's something off about. And well, clearly, she the, there's an early scene where she visits a doctor. And she, you know, he tells her that something is, you know, something's wrong, but it's very kind of unspecific. It's very unspecific. And then mm-hmm. she gets Chekhov's medical alert bracelet because if you give a medical alert bracelet in the first act, it has to be dropped and found by someone in the third act. Um, <laughs> and she refuses to have that disgusting pool cleaned. Yeah, for goodness sake, lady. I, That's I the most what, disturbing what thing about that? her. You have an algae issue. Yeah, it it's is, a real problem. It is a huge problem solve this problem because these girls uh, all want to go in the pool i mean you either are letting it do that so you cannot have so they don't go in the pool just to mess with them but i mean you have a serious issue here and you're not taking care of it yeah no and and it, it comes back uh it she pays karmically evil mrs garrett yeah. because if that <laughs> pool was clean there's no way the girls would have done what they thought they were gonna yeah. do uh, as we get to that part uh, with the critical pool moment later. Oh, God, the practical joke. We can't get to the practical joke oh, yet because yeah. there's still stuff we have to cover. I, I know. We I have know. to. Well, first of all, Mrs. Slater, <laughs> she's super creepy. She burns the pictures of her previous like sorority classes before going up to this weird room in the attic, which sits, you know, she sits looking out the window. Uh, and there's also the question of why she insists on closing the house every year on June 19th. Right. Which apparently is before the school year is over, and I don't, yeah. I don't know why what? the university doesn't have a problem. Like that's so weird. Like classes aren't. Oh, like I would think the university would step in. No, you have to let these girls stay till the school year's done. <laughs> yeah, like they can't finish their exams from the Motel Six. Well, long is this semester? Does it go until <laughs> July Fourth? When is this? this? When does this thing end? Oh. <laughs> They might be on like a trimester system. That, that, that's yeah. the only, oh yeah, maybe it's like a quarter. This is like, like the third quarter. Yeah, yeah. it's exactly. a quarter. It's the quarter quarters. System. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the third quarter of the year, and it lasts into midsummer. <laughs> Apparently, the actress who played uh, uh, Mrs. Slater, her voice was dubbed. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. that until I was doing research after I watched it. Yeah, me neither. But there was something about her, like listening. I'm like, it feels wrong and Feel, weird. Yeah, felt I totally. And it's incredibly effective for the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the woman goes cast is a is a. She was a local actress, the lady that was hired to be that uh, wherever they they shot it, and then they didn't like her voice. Apparently, had to dub over it. And it's a great dubbing job because I don't really notice it, but it does feel like there's something off. I totally felt the exact same way. Yeah, it feels like what's yeah. up with the. You already know there's something up with this lady, other than the fact I didn't find her shoes too weird because she's she has to wear comfy shoes. I mean, you get older, you know, you got to wear comfy yeah, shoes. Yeah, no, those shoes. It's, it's it's you know it's comfort over style all all the way when you get older. <laughs> um, it, uh, the shot the, the movie was shot in um Maryland. 
and and she right. was a local like uh, DC area actor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Katie is the, sort of the main character played by Catherine O'Neill, and we know she's the main character because she's the only one remotely sympathetic to Mrs. Slater. Yeah. Everybody else is like, we hate this woman, but oh well, no, you know, this is the, this is the save the cat moment where I'll be even like remotely sympathetic to this to this horrible woman, but not too sympathetic. <laughs> Well, no, because she's terrible. Too sympathetic. Yeah. It doesn't take much to convince her. It doesn't take much. And, and Vicky's not very convincing. Well, uh, Vicky, my favorite mean girl. Oh, Vicky's so amazing. In the series. Oh, no, no. She's yeah. great. Um, Vicky finds herself the target of, of Mrs. Slater's wrath because she sneaks a boy into the sorority house. And Mrs. Slater responds to this infraction with abject property damage. She takes her cane and like she rips up Vicky's waterbed. Now, listen, hey, waterbeds, it's 1982. Waterbeds were the thing. But like, mm-hmm. you you can't repair that, man. That's not something you could just no. duct tape shut. Like, that mm-hmm. waterbed is done. Also, where, where's that water going to go? How are you going to clean that up? Like, that water is going to get all over the place. Like, you, you maybe ruined her bed in her moment. Well, she's not bringing anybody to clean the pool. <laughs> yeah, she's not going to clean up that bed, and the and the and the girl whose bed it is, she's not going to do a good job cleaning that up. So you've also you're going to ruin. No, your I wouldn't either. Floors. Your floors are ruined, so you are also ruining yeah. your own house. Yeah, that's as, done. as you said. Yeah, you're not just ruining the waterbed, but your own place. Also, how sharp was that cane that it could just get right into that water? I mean, the waterbeds do, they're not made to be able to tear into it that easily. I mean, that's, that. she really, like, with no, one No, they hit, need to respond to pressure. She cut right into it. So, cheap waterbed, I'd have to say. Cheap waterbed. I don't know. I think amazing cane, given what that cane does yes. later in the there, that may be <laughs> That may be true. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, and she says to Vicky, and I quote, you filth, trash like you doesn't belong in my house. All of this, I'm thinking this woman is not suited to be a house mother. Period. Yeah, no, it's it. it she has such a short fuse. It's, you cannot be in charge of young people oh my God. if you are going to be set off by no. the smallest things. And especially like if you've been a house mother for any amount of years, girls sneaking boys in, is that the thing that you are like, how dare you? Like, I mean... This is the first time that's ever yeah. come up? Like, I that's mean, never my, happened really? before. Really? This is the first yeah. time. Yeah. Well, they say that you always hate that which you yourself do. <laughs> well, so yes, there's, there's some Mrs. truth Slater. in that. Yes. Uh... <laughs> Mrs. Slater, you little minx. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a prequel to be made about oh, Mrs. Slater. Oh, and her. yeah. Yeah, a Pearl-esque like, uh, prequel about her early days. <laughs> And the cane and how the cane came about. <laughs> oh, the origin story of the cane is key. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Huge. Absolutely. She, huge part of the movie. Big part of the movie yeah. is how she gets that cane and uh, the whole story behind the cane. It's going to be amazing. Oh, you know, I want to, I want to this, this, and like uh, last week we talked about, I, I want to do a legacy sequel to My Bloody Valentine that is just begging to be to be done like it's, i'm so like, shocked pick it that story up happened. 40 years later i agree i'm so surprised they Honestly, haven't done that it, it, i really in this it's, day and it's age a, they well, remade it but then they don't do a legacy I, it, I just it's it baffles my mind it's such a popular film why wouldn't you do it i i don't know yeah it's low-hanging fruit right there like that yeah. is the, it's, yeah. i shouldn't be the one to have to think of that like honestly <laughs> 
Right. You know, someone higher up the food chain should be able to already have that in mind. I should be beaten out. to. I should be reading about it on deadline, you know, <laughs> you know, tomorrow morning I probably will, you know, and be like, God damn it. I have to think that the rights issues are just so like such a sticky thing. Yeah, I think Moosehead Beer owns a third of the, the rights is the real sticking point. So I feel like we could make a deal with Moosehead Beer. I feel like we could make that happen. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. character has to grab for one during a scene and just open it up. And <laughs> you know, it's the anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So many years ago. Can you hand me one of those Moosehead beers? I really find them refreshing. Um. <laughs> uh, Vicky suggests they pull a practical joke in response to to this 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 this, this mutilation of the waterbed. Oh, um, wow. And what I love is that, like, at first they're all talking about it and the practical jokes that they suggest are all, like, garden variety. It's like, oh, let's short shoot her, shirt her sheets or let's put a bucket of water on the thing. And the practical joke that Vicky comes up with is insane beyond all measure. It is. And they all agree to it. They all agree to it. Well, but there's two levels. Like, what's, what's, there's two levels to the joke. And clearly everybody agreed to level one. Right. But then level two is just, is just, um, is just Vicky and Liz. We'll get to that in a second. But so Mrs. Slater wakes up the next morning and her bird headed cane, which we have to do the prequel for to explain is missing. And she goes downstairs and all the girls are decorating for this graduation party. Uh huh. And by the way, I have to point out, they're taking a portrait off the wall, which is even more terrifying than Mrs. Slater. Mm -hmm. That portrait has also got to be in our prequel. Like who is that woman that they're like, Oh, we have to, she can't see what's about to happen here. Yes. Yes. Has to be, has to be <laughs> the origin of all these things. It um, needs its own movie to explain all it of these things. So you cannot, you couldn't do it in like a half hour. You need ninety full minutes to explain all these things. Honestly, <laughs> it might have to be like a six episode series. On uh, it might have to be a limited series <laughs> kind of be. deal. Yeah, like the exactly. the history of this house through the twentieth century. Oh, and only yeah. in the last couple episodes do we get young Mrs. Slater. It's like uh-huh. it, it's. Yeah. Um, anyway, Mrs. Slater is led out to this disgust, her disgusting pool, uh, you know, and her cane is floating on an old tire in, in the middle. And she's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, she's all angry. And that's when Vicky pulls a gun. <laughs> that's when Vicky pulls a gun on yeah. Mrs. Slater. Yeah. And demands that she gets in the pool. Folks, you heard that right. She pulls a gun on the housewife. Mm-hmm. Which and, they all and, and, were okay with. They were all okay with. She'd gotten the gun from her boyfriend. Like she, we'd that was set up earlier. Um, because if which makes this the first actual Chekhov's gun we have ever had <laughs> in this series. It's always been like Chekhov's mechanic ability or Chekhov's, Chekhov's like, medic alert know. bracelet. Right, but right. she. Yeah. she First of all, I want to mention that both of the films we talked about today have people playing with with guns at at the college level more than I would expect. Like that feels like it's right. a problem. Like right. it, it's I don't know what was going on in the early eighties, but um, it was not good. And Vicky morning in America, Chris shoots out a lamp. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like she actually fires around and shoots out a lamp to so that she's serious. 
And, you know, and then, then another girl, Liz, tries to grab the gun and it goes off and it wounds Liz in the leg. And right. I'm like, it's just like, it's, it's amazing. You're right. There is that level of, I have this gun. They're like, that seems crazy. Don't worry. It's not, it doesn't, I think she said it's either like got blanks or it's, it's not loaded or whatever. And so you have that element. Then you, I mean, and to a, to a degree, young college girls, college students, I could see them going, well, all right, we'll do it. Because you're going to, when's yeah. the time we make the dumbest decisions I mean, I of would, our lives? But yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. But I can, I can, right. I can see, you know, young people going, all right. But then the next One level might. is. <laughs> right. Then the next level is I shoot out a lamp and I shoot one of us and everybody not going pile on her. Take this away. It Wait, has gone what? too far already. This is insane. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. We have to go to the hospital now for her. And she's like, she's fine. She was shot in her leg. That's your she was shot. She was shot in the she leg. Shot it's, the leg. Just, it's not. You know, like, like oh, it's, calm down. she was still shot. I don't care where it was. She was she shot. shot. Yeah. You're going to go to the hospital now. We have to go to the, the, the this, this is over. This is over. But no, it's not over. Cause Vicky then forces, she then forces <laughs> Slater into the pool and fires. And she's halfway in and she fires three more shots into Mrs. Slater. And they're all blanks. And Liz, apparently, the, the one who was hit in the leg, apparently that was a blank, too. Right. Right. And all the other girls are kind of horrified at this point. Apparently, only Vicky and Liz were in on that, like, that level of the plan. Mm-hmm. But then, then Mrs. Slater lashes out with her bird cane, and the gun goes off again, and this time it's a real bullet, and it kills Mrs. Slater dead. <laughs> I mean, it's. It, and this is why you don't mix real bullets and blanks in the same gun. Well, I, I mean, it's let's. A bad idea. For it's a mo- second, I mean, just babe, babe. I said it was. I said it was mostly blanks. I said it was loaded with mostly ba- blanks, babe. I didn't yeah. say it was all blanks. <laughs> so there's one live round, four blanks, and then another live round. That was done specifically. Oh, like that that yeah. was how they loaded that gun more blanks. specifically. Right, and then blanks after that. And then more blanks, which we find out later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the clips. So it was So the first and the fifth rounds are live. <laughs> yes. She went out of order. And she then, was supposed to well, she oh. she had to have a live round first, right? Because she shoots the lamp, right? And then she has blanks. Yeah. So she's shooting that the real was a bullet. Live round. Blanks, 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 real bullets, blanks. <laughs> she just messed up putting them in the clip she really couldn't get uh, she was trying to think of the order of how she did it (laughs) well liz ended up pretty lucky then i mean she could have been shot the leg for real oh i know no (laughs) doubt mrs slater would have been okay and then of course what happens is the girls decide not to report what just happened and to hide the body yeah in the in the best young feels like a bad decision yeah the best young people move of all time well we still have to have his party, well, guys. Well, they clearly let's, had all... Let's, let's just roll they, it up. The band was arriving. Yeah. I mean, what, are we going to stop the party now? Just because we killed her? <laughs> no, we got a live... Ba- this is a party with a live band. Right. right. You know, the, they have the DC pop band, four out of five doctors coming. You don't just tell them to turn around. <laughs> 
that deposit is non-refundable. Mm-hmm. No. If we cancel yeah. this party, it's gone. Right. We just pay this band. And th- you know what? We are going to get a lot of mileage out of this band in this movie because this band is all over <laughs> this movie. So everyone from the filmmakers to the fictional characters are like, we've got to get everything we can out of this band. Oh my God. And, and so they, I mean, they've all watched Les Diabolique. So they all decide to put her in the pool. Like, <laughs> right, oh, well, let's right. put her in the dirty pool. So, you know, and of course she floats to the top immediately. Like it's not even five minutes mm-hmm. go by. They've all gone in the house and the bodies are floating on the top. I'm like, you guys are insane and incompetent. It, it's a terrible plan. And that's almost what I love about it's it. It's a terrible like- plan. It's like, but this is the plan of young people who are dumb. And, you know, I can see people going, (laughs) we'll deal with this horrible murder after the party. (laughs) We'll deal with this afterwards. Let's just let's just get her in the pool. No one's going to go in it because it's gross. We can all enjoy the band. And then like tomorrow we can deal with like the fact that we murdered (laughs) this woman and we'll take care of it then. But like, let's enjoy ourselves tonight. Maybe just put a, a weight, like a brick or something. Right. Like I, I did not know how they thought that was going to work to wrap her in a carpet. Yeah. Like the carpet was going to keep her at the bottom. And, and it oh, does for like a second until they walk away. And then, of course, it floats back up because, of course, it does. Yeah. And, and as soon as their backs are turned, she's she is, is floating on the top of that horrible pool. And it's... This whole first half hour, it feels like the opening of a movie like Prom Night or Terror Train, but blown up to the first act. It's like, oh, we're going to take what would be the opening five minutes and we're going to blow it up to a first act and make it insane. And if I have any criticism of the movie is there's nothing that quite matches this level of insanity afterwards. Uh, I got news for the kids. There's more people going to be killed, but there's nothing that's quite as bonkers as as this practical joke gone so horribly wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, that is... Well, Sea Pig. Oh, well, there is Sea Pig. Yeah, we got to talk... We'll talk about yeah. Sea Pig in a minute. Let me get So they have the party with the live band. Uh, oh, I was going to say, there is also, like... I mean, we do also get a bit of a moment like the carpet mo- moment in Hell Night as well, where, it, you know, the very end moment. Yes, yes, we do. We do get a little yes. bit of that... Bing switch um, action, which is really very cool as well. But but nothing as bonkers as the prank. No, the prank is just it's it's on another level. And of course, what happens now is they have the party, and sorority girls are sorority girls are starting to start to get killed. Um, you know, because well, it is a slasher movie. We we know what we're here for. Sure. And the, the we don't know who the killer is. It's it's well done in terms of like the mystery. You know that somebody. They even hint that it might be Mrs. Slater survived. Um, because the killer mm. a couple times uses that bird cane. Right. Um, I did like that they each each victim is sort of distracted by a toy. Like there's the there's the ball that comes up, and then there's like the little jack in the box. And it remind I'm like, oh, is this the inspiration for that toy bicycle thing in the Saw movies? Is this was this like the impetus for that? Because um, that's what it immediately reminded me of. And I I will say with the uh, the killer's identity it does feel um in that prom night realm yeah where you are given the clues and then they just kind of never go back to them so which is itself a red flag so when uh what is it dr oh god oh uh yeah dr beck uh dr beck has a conversation with mrs slater i think it might be in the same scene where he gives her the medical bracelet but um 
and he's talking about you can't stay at that house over the summer you know he's getting worse he needs to be you need to be here at the hospital so he's referenced some mystical he yeah that we haven't seen yet but if you did watch the beginning of the film you might have an idea who that he might Mm -hmm. be um and so but it doesn't matter because it's so weird in that while this movie does technically have a whodunit element, it is so beside the point of mm-hmm. this film. And so much of it is, uh, and this will sound weird to say after all of the craziness, so much of what you're getting even during, uh, you know, in that last hour then, or whatever. So it's it's really the girls' relationships falling further and further apart as they keep dying. Yeah. Um, because uh, that rift from what to do with Mrs. Slater now, it just... It, it travels on and gets wider and wider throughout and people become crazier and crazier and more unreasonable um, to, to fun effect for the viewer. Uh, let's talk about the three guys. There's three guys who decide it's a good idea to swim in this pool. <laughs> yep. And one of them's got the best line of the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm a sea pig. I'm a sea pig. I'm a sea pig. He says so good. He says it twice. I'm a sea pig. It's what really, is that? It's really what beautiful. Is that? Yeah. I, I, it makes so much sense to him that I'm I'm with it. You know, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm going to give you this. Honestly, that these idiots would get in this pool anyway. It's I'm really offended by the quality of that pool. Like I of all the things in this movie, I'm like that pool is disgusting. It's a yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah, it is gross. <laughs> I'm it's gross. It. <laughs> and it, clearly, this is not a school like a medical school or a science oriented school that they're going to because oh. nobody seems to. No, any. I mean, jumping in that pool. There's got to be pools other places. There's got to be. I mean, why? Why here? I know the party's here tonight. I mean, but, I mean, you know. I don't care what you're on. You're you're gonna look at that pool and say, yeah, you know, no, thank like, you. Come on, yeah. It's, the girls do eventually find Slater's body in the attic, and of course, then they do the next logical thing, which is they decide to bury her in an open grave in a nearby <laughs> graveyard, um, which. You know, I mean, I guess at this point, what are they going to do? But to transport the body there. Woohoo! Yes! They need the van. (laughs) Now, if you've listened to the show, you know that we here at Get Me Another are big fans of vans from the 70s and 80s that that I aspired to create a television show that is a van-based action show uh, (laughs) because those were some of the best of that era. Um, The van here is amazing. Uh, it has got a sweet paint job on the exterior. It's got a wood paneled interior. It looks mm. like my in-laws house. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, it's a classic. And they use the van to transport the body. Thankfully, there happened to be an open grave at the nearby graveyard, or else these girls would have been sunk mm-hmm. because they weren't going to be digging ditches. I mean, it's... Um, they finally get lucky. Yeah. They, at last, at last, the luck is turned on their side. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Katie happen. searches the attic at this point, and this is where she finds the the creepy room filled with toys and the the super creepy Harlequin costume and a dead bird in a cage, and all of these things should be like Katie. You should just go. Yeah, like don't worry, just go, go to the follow Seth's. Uh, you know, you know his 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 model in in the previous film. <laughs> go to the police. They may not listen because God, they're useless. But you know, at least just try. Maybe yeah. you come back with a shotgun. Um, 
Yeah, but she does find the medical alert bracelet. Our heroine for the film is the one person who thought at least about doing the right thing is our is our hero for this film, <laughs> which is another part that I love. Like, I hope yeah. she lives because she at least like felt bad that they didn't do the right thing at all ever yes. <laughs> like, like kudos to her she wanted to do the right thing she never did she never actually successfully uh, did the right no. thing but she thought a lot about it and she felt bad she didn't i like her she fought for 10 seconds <laughs> right. yeah she went hey <laughs> hey this is wrong but then i'm gonna just be okay with all of it and start partying anyway. And I'll have like weird dreams about it later where I'll feel guilty, but like, I still never did anything. Yes. Yeah. She does. She also finds the medical alert bracelet and decides to then call the doctor on the number on there oh, and the, the, doctor's the doctor's number, Dr. Beck and Dr. Beck soon arrives and, and gives and. Vicky and Liz get killed in the cemetery and Dr. Beck arrives just in time to explain the whole thing. Um, I'm going to call Dr. Beck the anti-Loomis because he's not there enough. He just shows up at the end to, to explain stuff. And he's absolutely the worst doctor we've seen in yes. these movies. Yes. People joke about how Loomis is a bad doctor. Loomis is the frigging gold standard yeah. compared to Dr. Beck. Right. right. He's like uh, young in comparison. Like he is like Loomis is unbelievable. He is like oh, ahead yeah. of his, you know, ahead of his... <laughs> Out of, his, of the pack there in terms of a doctor compared to this guy who has, in terms of a movie and you have heightening, you have the girl's terrible plan and then the doctor comes in and says, girls, you've had a terrible plan, but let me let me show you a worse plan. I have an even more terrible, worse plan. <laughs> you don't know what implement. terrible plans are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grown man and I'm going to show you an even more terrible plan than you could ever have thought of. I am a medical professional and this is this is what I have I have decided to engage in. Yeah. And what he apparently Dr. Beck was in the business of giving women experimental fertility drugs that left their babies deformed mentally and physically and now he wants to kill Slater's son Eric to cover up his crimes because newsflash that the, the kid that he said was dead at the at the beginning it lived and grew up and um is now uh you know again a a, a a maniac who's hunting people down because he saw his mother killed that you know by like he saw what the girls did and it's uh you know there there you go in some um, in some ways the hero of the film basically <laughs> In some ways. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, you know, if there is one, I think hey, it's him. He's, he's got Dr. Beck drugs Katie to use her as bait. Yeah. And he tells her, I'm using you as bait. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing. And also, he had no plan to shoot him if he was to come in. And actually, if the bait had worked, <laughs> what he was going to do was, like, shoot him with, like, a dart and right. knock him out. Like they do with the dopey boyfriend who ends up. Yeah, he had, a, he had a dart. He had a, a dart gun. So he wasn't even going to bring him in and kill him and cover. He wants to cover up the evidence, but he's going to just knock him out first. And then what? What from there? Is he the and one who dug what, the grave? Keep him in the attic. Did he I dig guess. the? Was he the one that dug the grave out there? I don't know. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. It's a terrible plan. <laughs> it's an honestly, this movie is just a cacophony of terrible plans. Yes. Like it's yes. one after another after another of of bad. Like this is bad idea genes. The movie. <laughs> I know. I love it though. It's so great. 
Oh no, it, it it's it's amazing. Um, and you know, eventually, you know, Doctor Beck, he's he's not going to last very long. Like he, like mm-hmm. Eric, Eric comes up for him very quickly. Uh, and then you know, the eventually Katie and Eric both end up in the attic, and in a scene very much like as you had mentioned, very much like Hell Knight. There's that that creepy Harlequin costume. Listen, I don't care what what might what problems your kids have. Don't buy him that costume. Oh. That is just. Oh, no creepy as heck no. i don't do whatever they want don't buy kids creepy harlequin costumes nothing good comes of it mm-hmm. but like the bit where it starts to move like you don't realize that he's gotten in it is very effective it's not quite as effective as the carpet but it's no, very no, effective but it's good yeah yeah and then she's able to stab eric with a very large pin <laughs> i guess that's you know that that's her yep she she grabs a large pin and and he stabs he falls to the floor below but just when Katie thinks she's safe, Eric's eyes open just as the credit roll. It's one of those like it cuts to black and it's uh-huh. like it's like the end of French Connection 2. <laughs> I'm sure that was what the that's what they were going for. <laughs> that was their touchstone, too. <laughs> they were like, this is this. People are going to love this. This is exactly like French Connection 2. I know I, they're going to love spent, this. I spent like a month of like studying French Connection too, because I didn't get it. I thought it must have been me. And then I realized after watching it three times yes. in like three weeks that I was like, no, 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 it's the movie. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I like this movie, but it does feel like it's kind of an amalgam of better movies. Like it's like, oh, it's a yeah. little bit of Lee Dab Leak. It's a little bit of Black Christmas. It's a little bit of Friday the 13th part two. Um, and, and again, nothing can quite match that first hour in terms of ins- <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's it is uh, bananas. It's a um, it's a it was a bad idea too, and also like he had that dart gun, the doctor, and also shot her up, and she is able to do a variety still of physical activity despite being under the influence of this drug. Oh yeah. So whatever he brought, he also misdiagnosed and doesn't know how much to submit to a human person. Like he, there's so many bad things that happen at the end of that that was like this movie. Oh man, just filled with. <laughs> treasures it was a very mild sedative the mild yeah. he said it was mild yeah, she, she didn't realize how mild it was right. she she did fight yeah, yeah. uh of course it was yeah. a different ending or i think the original ending was her dying um the original ending of the movie was supposed to be her dying oh really yeah um she was supposed to die and the director oh. wanted wanted to flip the whole you know uh final girl lives at the end kind of thing and she was actually going to to be killed and the the uh you know the people behind the movie basically were like no we want to have a different ending i still think i mean i still think it's a pretty like she's gonna die like i think he set it up like i mean yeah it doesn't look good i mean it's not you know it is set up it's not things do not bode well for katie yeah it's set up for a potential sequel ish but i'm like yeah you could have done you could have picked up a sequel where it was the second half of that night yeah but she falls out of the that roof uh, or the the attic or whatever and falls down on the ground and he opens his eyes like he can just go right up those stairs and kill her like it's she has nowhere else to go like it it's not gonna end after the credits roll like she's gonna be murdered right and quite frankly they murdered yeah, his mom. She's she's you like know? Richard Gere in an officer and a gentleman. She's got nowhere else to go. Exactly. Exactly. Another touchstone that they were trying. <laughs> That's what they were thinking. This movie, let me sell it to Which you. Which wasn't like an officer it was a couple and gentleman. Years away. And you're right. It's like this future project, an officer and a gentleman, and well as French Connection too. It's all just when you read this script that they're gonna make in a few years, you're gonna love it. 
You know, folks, we had originally been planning on discussing three films today, but I think, you know, we this is this is all great and we're running a little short on time. Ryan, would you be okay with coming back next week to talk about New World Pictures, The Slumber Party Massacre? Okay, I'll have to track that movie down and watch it, but yeah, I, I'd be happy to come back. Yeah, I'll have to give that one a viewing. <laughs> oh, that would be, that we, we would really, really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, for joining us this week. Oh. We we really look forward to you being here next week for the Slumber Party Massacre. Thank you, guys. It's my pleasure. Uh, it's this been, was awesome. It's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. This was so um, fun. And and to you out there listening, uh, we always thank you for doing so. Uh, we are, again, your hosts, Chris Iannacone and Rob Lamorges. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Get Me Another Pod. And join us next week where myself... And Rob and Ryan will continue to explore what happens when Hollywood says, get me enough.